And welcome back to another edition of On Stage, Off Stage. I'm George Sapio, and guess what, kids? We're on vacation this week and for the next couple of weeks, so we're going to be digging deep back into the archives to bring up some rebroadcasts for you, some good old interesting stuff. And for this week, since it's our first rebroadcast, we are going to go way, 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 way back into the archives and dig up our very absolute first episode with Arthur Bicknell, legendary playwright of the legendary Broadway play Moose Murders. And after the show, we'll have an updated calendar, so stick around for that so you know what to go see in the Ithaca area. Have a great week, kids. We'll see you soon. Our guest today is the one and only playwright. Is it correct to say producer? Producer, no. I, that's one thing I don't do. I, okay. I write. I act. Writer? Not actor? Uh, well, yes, I am with the Homecoming Players. I guess it's right to say that, although my title is more literary manager. Okay. Uh, writer, producer uh, of a kind, actor, the one and only man about town, Arthur Bicknell. Arthur, you've got a new book coming out. I do. You do. Want to give us the title and tell us a little bit about it? Yes. The title is Moose Murdered. Or, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love My Broadway Bomb. Now, if <clears throat> there are still some people that will remember Moose Murdered, or Moose Murders, uh, which was a play that I wrote about 30 years ago, well, actually, almost exactly 30 years ago, uh, that starred Eve Arden. It went, was, went right to Broadway. It was a very exciting time for me at that period. I'd had a couple of plays under my belt, and this was my first Broadway show, and it was very exciting. Little did I know that uh, the show would open and close the same night, and uh, after 30 years now of not dying, it has become iconic for the gold standard of awfulness in the Broadway theater. Uh, and uh, for years and years, I lived with this ignominy and had people tell me again and again you gotta write about this you know because everybody writes stories about success but this is a classic failure and we we, we want to know you know we want to know every painful detail and at first i had my pride and i said ah, nah, nah. but as the you know and i and i kept thinking well they're this is going to die down i mean this i mean there are lots there are bad shows come and go all the time and i kept telling myself that uh, week after week after month after year uh, and let's see oh in 2000 ARP magazine came out with an article where they named the 50 biggest flops of the century and uh, just flops in general right. mind you, not right. just theater flops and Moose Murders uh, was number 5 and it came and I remember right after New Coke uh, and I thought, and I thought at that time, well, all right, I have certainly arrived. I don't know where, but I've arrived somewhere. And I guess the the thing that I would say more than most often is that there's such a thin line between fame and infamy. Uh, but I but I should clarify something here because a lot of people, you know, have flops. This was colossal. Uh, and one of the reasons that made it so colossal was the press immediately. I mean, the, the reviews were unbelievable. I mean, you can relish them because a, lot, a number of them were extremely well written. Let's see if I can remember some sam samples. Oh, Dennis Cunningham from uh, CBS, this was in New York, 
said, if your name is Arthur McNell, change it. <laughs> you know, oh. and, and I, it was one horrible thing after another. This, uh, this, uh, this show uh, insults the intelligence of amoebas. Uh, you know, this, uh, I mean, from now on, there will be two types of people, those who have seen Moose Murders and those who have not. But Broadway, it's, it's Broadway critics themselves are famous for when they don't like a show, they lay it on thicker and thicker and thicker. It, it's almost as if the review becomes more about how excoriating they can be rather than whatever the merits of the show. And the show becomes, I'm going to say secondary, but I'm going to say with the size of some of the egos, probably tertiary. Uh, that may indeed be the case. I, uh, but before we go any farther, let me just make, make it clear that there is now a book. I almost feel that it was my duty to write this book because so many people have asked me. Yeah, people like stories about success. But they loved the Schadenfreude. I want to hear how, you know, how did you survive? How did you survive? The last interview I had was with uh, Michael Musto of the Village Voice, and one of his questions was, uh, how, did you, how did you not kill yourself? I mean, you know, it, and to answer that question is difficult. I, I guess it's a huge sense of humor and, and also not really being able to fully appreciate the reality because it, it was so surreal. I mean, you never really dare think about huge success, and you never really dare to think about the, you know, the bottom, the nadir. Because usually it's somewhere in between. Right, right. So if you experience either, it's you, it takes a while to, to sink in. And also, at the, at the for years and years, I was afraid to you know hurt anybody's feelings. Right. I'm over that now. <laughs> I'm totally well, good for over you, that Arthur. That, I am that's... so. Over that. It I, sounds like positive growth. That's, yes, that's it wonderful. is. I th- yeah. I, I, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to go out deliberately to trash people, but I am going to tell the truth. And How long did it take you to write it? I started in 2000, and, well, a little bit before 2008. I hit some snags here and there. It took a while because I was my partner was, was dying of cancer, and I, someone who had went, gone through uh, this experience with me, so many things went wrong. Tell, tell t- us about that. Okay. Yeah. It was, as I think I said, I had enjoyed some fair success before Moose Murders happened. I'd, I'd had a couple of shows uh, that had been produced off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which shows were those? They, uh, the, my first show was My Great Dead Sister, which was an autobiographical slice-of-life comedy. And I, I, I garnered some great reviews. I mean, I was being likened to Albert and Nerato and Carson McCullers and, you know, great, hell... Uh, Eugene O'Neill, I remember. So I was the the phrase that was that would be used um, most often was a, a playwright of promise, and and then you begin to look at the the shelf life of that and how these yeah, things don't have too long of a shelf life. Well, they don't, and it really depends on how you're going to use that. Right. The other play that I had produced was called Masterpieces, and it was a play about the uh, specifically Branwell Bronte, the brother of the Bronte sisters. And I actually, it was a play, of, it was about the Brontes, yes, and specifically Branwell, but it was also a play about uh, the creative process. So anyway, so I wrote that play. That did fairly well. I've always been a fan of that kind of unintentional humor that comes from things like public access television or 
very earnestly wrong things. Absolutely, I, yes. That, that's yes. sincere. That's real. That's real humor. The, that's real surprise. Some would say it's the truest humor of all. It is. It is. And I just love it. And I thought, okay, how? And then I thought, well, you know, a good venue for this kind of, of stuff would be a murder mystery, a farce. All right, so, so it's a farce. Okay. Farce means improbable. Exactly. Farce means uh, you, your characters are going to be bigger than, are going to be outrageous. Just because this was back in the early 80s, and we were just beginning to dabble with black humor. We were just beginning to dabble with the, the idea that maybe villains could get away with things. Not too much, but just a little bit. You know, black comedy. Uh, Farce mostly, is so incredibly hard to write. Oh, yes. And there's that. It can't just be funny. It just, it, 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 you've got to have more than, you've got to have something there that, something to care about. True. Uh, well, it's it's a play, it's and and yeah, and even if you're writing quote a farce, you still have to engage the audience. You still have to give them something to relate to to bounce the farce off of. Otherwise, the farce isn't funny. Yeah. When I finished the play and was shopping it around, uh, all I heard was this is just so funny. Now I've said this quite often. I don't. I really don't remember anybody saying this is a good play. But everybody said, this is so funny. I mean, funny, funny. You, you're mm-hmm. hilarious. Funny. And yes. who needs anything other than funny? Funny's great. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I, I've, it finally got into the hands of a very rich man who felt the same way that I did, who had the same kind of sense of humor, un, enjoying the unintentionally funny. We both loved deadpan humor. Not, it's, it's classic we, vaudeville. It is, and yet it, it, it. This is where it gets tricky. Moose Murders is full of of, 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 of uh, slapstick and broad humor, right? But because it's supposed to be unintentionally funny, it's so complicated. I was trying to do so much. Uh, of course, I gave the play immediately to Norman Renee, who was wise enough to know that it was not going to fit into the production company season. But he happened to he had a patron for the production company. His name was John Roach. There was a little discussion at first about whether it should be off Broadway or you know, and, I, and I'm loving all this. You know, it's like of wow, course, how could you not? God, because this guy had, had, you know, he was a Texas oil man. Right. You know. These are the words that every playwright wants to hear. It, it's I, I have a benefactor. I have this. He's going to. He'll do whatever I want. I, if I want a brass band in the show, I can write it and he'll put it in there. If I want Carol Channing, he'll go get Carol Channing for me. He'll run and fa- this is amazing. This is great. It was, t- it was, it was, it was, it was like being drunk with, with. I was going to say, it must have made your head spin in both it directions. Was, yeah. It was, and it was impossible to, to 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 bring myself down to earth long enough to realize. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Development, out of town. Uh, what do you mean Broadway? Right over from from typewriter to Broadway? What? Sure. But none yeah. of that went into my head. All it was go go when of when. Of course, yeah. It's Which irresistible. Uh, yeah, it is. I still, I, I feel some shame when I talk about that because I, I was still old enough to know a little bit better. I, I, I I'm going to disagree with you on that because out of most of the playwrights I know, and being one myself, you sit in the dark for all those years and you struggle and you write and you send these things out and it's like throwing bricks into the Grand Canyon and you wait for somebody, anybody, to come along and say. I want to do your play. Yeah. And at that point, your business sense, if you have any to begin with, um, goes out the window. 
and you stand there and you hand over your play and you wait for all the good things to happen because you've been working so hard on this. And it sounds like you were literally almost swept off your feet with... Well, I, here's the other thing that was seductive about it. Up to this point, I'd done everything the way you're supposed to do. And I was the, the small success I was enjoying was earned and uh, an evolution. You know, the, 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 the first play was uh, an off-Broadway showcase. You know, the second one uh, became a limited run off-Broadway. I mean, it was incrementally getting right. better and better. I was getting known. I was getting some, like I said, you know, those reviews. Absolutely, Good yes. reviews, a playwright to watch, a playwright of promise. So I was, I, w- I wouldn't say I was heady, but I was feeling confident. Yep. And if I, and I, th- you know, one of the biggest, you know, they say I have no regrets. I do have some regrets. One of my biggest regrets is that uh, my play, My Great Dead Sister, which has heart yes. and soul, you know, and everything a good play is supposed to have wasn't the one that debuted on Broadway. I think my story would be a little bit different had that happened. Instead, it was The Moose. You can see where it's heading now. I've got this oil man who wants to put my play that he finds very funny immediately on Broadway. With no intermediary steps whatsoever. No, I I think he might have considered it at one time, but, you know, as well, time went on, why bother? The normal route is, is, is what, previews, oh. developmental time, yeah, rehearsals, you go, you go out of town. You work you on work, it. You yes, know. you yeah, take it you, to Boston you, you and you knock out all the kinks. And yeah, you find out how lousy it is someplace else, and then you patch it up before you bring it, I mean, Broadway, but, but also at that time, and this again in the early 80s, Broadway was still the brass ring. You know, for Amer- and there was still a chance that you, an American playwright could get his play, a new play, on Broadway. This was before, you know, the the British invasion of Cameron Mackintosh. It was before the disnification of right. Times Square. It was Absolutely. before the only thing that you can re- these exorbitant, prohibitive prices. You know, four hundred, five hundred dollars a shot. It was before you know the only way to get something done is to to do a Disney play or a, a hit movie and turn that into Correct. You know, a play. Yes. It was, it, we were still, there was still promise. Broadway was still alive. It hadn't quite sold itself out. No, no, it was still alive. It was still so, and, but, but because it might have been on its way out, not, or I don't mean out, it's never going to die. What also existed then that I may have lost sight of is that because of, oh, it's, there was still a discerning. We were getting a little bit annoyed at the types of things that would end up on Broadway. And one of the things, as it turned out, the critics were getting a little bit sick and tired of was the uh, the murder mystery extravaganza. Okay. There had been others. There had been. It started out with some very good, successful ones like Sleuth right. and Death Trap. Uh, yes, absolutely. After that, then, it got a little muddied. And there was, in, in particular, one called Who Done It? And I think it was one of the Schaefer brothers, uh, Anthony. Uh, I never saw it, but it had it had it, it, the critics had hated it, and it had, it had opened shortly before Moose Murders. Okay, so our, the ingredients so far are a, 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 a play that reads funny, okay, uh, a rich producer, you know, with a, a, a somewhat not novice but you know new prom- playwright of promise. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and now we're going to throw in uh, casting the producer's wife, 
in one of the roles. Okay. All right. That which is classic vanity production. Absolutely. Right. You know, you got to have that. Oh, and did I mention that the producer is also going to be the director? I that's an interesting that, that's, development. You see, because yes. when when let's 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 take a look at this. If something goes wrong, and you need to talk to the director about it, and the director says talk to the producer, or if you want to talk to the producer, and the producer says talk to the director, guess what? It's the same person. I'm going to go to the actress. Oh, she's the wife. You know, it's a, it's. There you are going after there. There's a there's a matriarch, a main character. So we we knew that had to be the the name, and we started out uh, chasing after great illustrious ladies of the stage of that time. Right. Zoe Caldwell, Alexis Smith, Angela Lansbury. Uh, the list went on and on and on and on. No shortage of matriarchs. No, and uh, no, no, no shortage of uh, what you don't. You don't get it. You get very few solid no's. What you get is managers and agents asking very specific questions, like, "Who is the director? Who is the writer? Who else is in it? What? What? what tell me. Tell yes. me before Miss mm-hmm. So and So commits." her very valuable time to this play. It really doesn't matter whether she likes it or not, by the way. But before she does, what? Where? What, what, uh, what's the, what are the liabilities? Right. Are there none? Oh, that sounds good. Are there a few? Let's discuss this. Now, what matters, what really matters is who's directing. Especially for these people who know, who've gotten where they've gotten because they've been careful, and they know that a mistake will, what they don't know, will kill them. You know, careers are so, so ephemeral. Tenuous. Yes, tenuous. It's like, no, the, i got to trust the director. Right. I had written Moose Murders with um, Seda Thompson in mind for the lead. Uh, it was, I was, I'd seen her in the off-Broadway show uh, The Effect of Gamma Rays on Man in the Moon Marigolds. I remember that. She'd also been in a television program in the late 70s called Family. She was the head of the household. It was a great show. It was the mother, and she was wonderful. She was the opposite of the role she'd played in uh, Marigolds. She was loving, kind. She was the parent you wanted. Yes. She was the parent you kind Jesus Christ, why couldn't I have had those <laughs> parents that are quoting Shakespeare? And I decided that I was just going to send her a script, which, you know, you don't, you're not supposed to do. And she called me, and she 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 loved the script, and she and, and I'm having this wonderful conversation with her, and then the questions begin, you know, right, and when we got to who's the director, uh, what we're talking about is how important it is that the star know the director, that the director have some uh, history. So you look at all the ingredients. You got a new playwright, young, uh, starry-eyed, uh, uh, a rich producer, who is also the director, who casts his wife. It's a classic vanity, and I haven't even. We ended up with Eve Arden, which was great, but Eve Arden, a wonderful actor, she, wonderful, wonderful. But it was too much for her. It was a farce, running, slamming doors, learning lines, none of which she could do. Uh, ultimately. Uh, she was fired after the second preview, and mind you, we—I uh, can say that now. I couldn't say that then. The uh, the wording was uh, artistic differences. Of course. I mean, when I think about it, 
these nobodies have the gall to fire Eve, Eve Arden. Arden? The fool. I mean, you know, it was already, we were already going down the toilet because the only thing we had going for us was over the title Eve Arden. And when the word got out that Eve Arden had left, right. the, sh- I, da, 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 the end. almost the impossible end. to come back from, yes. Uh, yeah. There were some curiosity seekers still, but there wasn't anything other than, you know, the show was already marked. But you've got a revival coming up. Yes. And I saw in the parenthesis, shamelessly revised. Shamelessly. Tell Absolutely. me about that. Well, I found out about the revival. And uh, because, uh, which is at the beautiful Soup uh, Theater Collective, uh, artistic director Stephen Carl McCaslin, a brilliant young man who is also directing and playing one of the characters. He's playing half of the the singing Keens, Howie Keen. He's Howie great, Keen. He's a great guy. We, sh- we have the, the same sense of humor, which is, I think, a plus. That helps. Uh, it really does. But when I found out he was doing it, I thought, all right, I'll take a look at the Samuel French version of the script, the published script, after, you know, God knows how many years. And I was appalled. Apparently, I'd received the galleys, you know, for editing of this thing after the moose had been killed. And apparently, I was suicidal and didn't give a shit. Because it was, <laughs> I mean, it isn't, we're not just talking misspellings, okay? We're not just talking, you know, bad grammar or whatever. We're talking chunks of stage directions omitted. Just nowhere to be found. I mean, it was in, literally incomprehensible. And I was, I read this going, well, no wonder. I mean, if people, if people are buying this and reading this, they must be going, Jesus Christ. Oh, my gosh. And, then I, and so I thought, all right, the least I can do, the least I can do is to fill in the omitted, you know, put in the stage directions that have lost. And, right. Repair the damage. Yeah, repair the damage as best I could. And uh, one thing led to another, and I discovered how much fun it was. I had this idea, hey, what if the characters are smart this time? What if they're actually... Because before, they'd have been racist, silly. There was no logic whatsoever because I thought, oh, farce means... No, logic. Farce means I can do whatever I want to. Mm -hmm. As long as they run up and down stairs and slam doors, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. So this, I thought, you know, all right, I'm I'm old now, you know, I've had been through some. Let's see what happens if I if I actually I did not tamper with the basic plot such as it is. Actually, it's a very very complicated plot. It's a very it is a complicated oh, plot. It is a very complicated yes. plot. And one of the dangers that I'm facing right now, and I know this, and why I have no expectations whatsoever, is that nobody really is going to take the time to study moose murders. It's full of stuff. It's full of stuff. But I understand that it's moose murders. Yes. It carries with it its own mythology. (laughs) It doesn't matter what I do. Uh, Nevertheless, I thought, for these actors, for for the actors, for the actors, I owe it to the actors at least to clear it up. And I had, and I figured, what the hell? Let's have some fun. Why not? And I rewrote and I had a ball and I've given it to them I have no idea what it's going to be like I have no idea what it sounds like because I haven't heard it except in here uh, but I think that but but what I but one thing I know is that that uh, the stage directions are now clear all the running around all the mistaken identities all oh and here's the big thing and it is a let's let's it is a farce, but let's not forget that it's also a murder mystery. And uh, one of the questions was, you know, and there are a lot of murders. 
And when I found myself not being able to answer who killed whom, granted, it's been 30 years. So right. some of well, it is, you know, the, the cells are not there anymore. But a lot, I, I seriously wonder how much of that I knew at the time. I must have. I must have. I mean, you know, it, it's silly to think I didn't. It's a learning experience, a hard one. Not quite sure what I've learned. But this time around, at least I will know, if you really want to work it, you can find some sense in this sucker. Whether or not people are going to do that, I really, I really do mean that. I have no expectations. No, it sounds there like it's going that. to be absolutely wonderful. Tell us where, yes. when. It opens uh, the 30th of January. I think there's a preview on the 29th. Uh, it runs for 14 performances in New York at the Connolly Theater, which is in the East Village. Uh, what you want to do I, is to find the, uh, you can find this on Facebook or on the internet, uh, the Beautiful Soup uh, Theater Collective, and you can get tickets for it, uh, for Moose Murders, uh, shamelessly re revised and directed by Stephen Carl and the Caslin. Excellent. Looking so looking forward to this. Well, that's, I, I am too. <laughs> I was going to say that's one of us, but no, I am. No, let's move on. You mentioned uh, Glisten before. Oh, yes, that's yeah. very important. One of the wonderful things about this theater company, the Beautiful Soup, uh, but one of the things that they do is that 20% of the profits for every given production go to the charity of the author's choice. A lovely which thing is to do. so wonderful. Yes. And uh, I, my charity is Glisten, uh, which is the gay and lesbian. Um, and Straight Educational Network. Uh, you can find more information about them at glisten.org. Uh, they are an organization of teachers and students uh, and parents, uh, all dedicated to uh, making uh, life safe in schools for LGBT and straight students. Uh, it, it's an anti-bullying organization that really does educate. And God knows we need those. Absolutely. I am so... In, they've been in existence since around 1990. They do great work. I am so honored to, in, to, to be part of this. To, 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 the, the, the beautiful soup is uh, donating uh, such a large portion of the proceeds to this wonderful charity. And that makes... Whatever else happens, there's that. Excellent. That makes me very proud. Give us the web address one more time, please. Yes, uh, for uh, the Beautiful Soup Theater Collective, Beautiful Soup, Beautiful Soup, mm -hmm. Beautiful Soup Theater Collective uh, dot com. You can find it on Facebook. They have Excellent. a page there. You can find it uh, on the web. They have their own web page. Uh, I know. In either case, you can you can uh, get tickets. I would say, act fat. For some reason, they're going fat. Well, for some reason, it's it it is notorious. And because of that, the tickets seem to be going. Oh, opening night and closing night, I believe, are already sold out. That's wonderful. So it that is, is absolutely I, I wonderful. I mean, la la. I mean, you know, <laughs> here, here we go. Well, Arthur Bricknell, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. And uh, we wish you, we know this is going to be a wonderful revival. And uh, tell us when the book is coming out. The book is, uh, here's the deal. When I, Again, it's predicated on this production so that the book will be available uh, for the to be sold in the lobby uh, in January. So we're looking towards so the end of mid January. January yes. Go to Amazon and look for Moose Murders, and you'll find it. And buy the book; it's very funny, and you will love it very much. I'm sure we will. <laughs> Thank you, Arthur. And it's time for the onstage, offstage arts calendar for July 25th, 2013. 
It's opening night for the Ithaca Shakespeare Company's second summer presentation, Othello. Othello runs until August 3rd. All information and tickets can be found at IthacaShakespeare.org. And you're going to have to juggle theater nights because The Hangar's second summer production opens tonight also. This play is 4,000 Miles by playwright Amy Herzog. 4,000 Miles runs until August 3rd. Information can be found at HangarTheater.org. Tickets and or information are also available at the Ticket Center, 171 East State Street, The Commons, downtown Ithaca, or by calling 607-273-4497. That's going to be it for the Onstage Offstage Arts Calendar for July 25th, 2013. We'll catch you next time, kids.